What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the TSK Show, Jacob and I hold it down while Tyler unfortunately could not make it tonight. We are going to recap Super Bowl 54 as well as share our thoughts on the results from the NFL honors the night before the big game. We'll also talk about the NBA trade deadline as we are less than 24 hours away from the deadline hitting and there have already been some big moves To close the show, we'll discuss the huge trade the Dodgers made to acquire 2018 AL MVP Mookie Betts and former Cy Young Award winner David Price from the Boston Red Sox in a three-team deal. All right, let's start the show. What's up, Jacob? How you doing, man? Good, man. Glad that we could be back for another episode of the TSK Show. Unfortunately, Tyler's not here, but uh, we'll hold it down until he gets back. Yes, uh, unfortunately, Tyler could not make it tonight, but we are here. We're going to hold it down for him. And like they say in show business, the show must go on, you know? Oh, yeah. We have a lot to cover today, too. Yeah. This week is a big week, and so is next week. Yeah, no, it's uh, we're getting we're getting to the good stuff. Wrapping up another NFL season, the 100th season of the NFL. And then we got the trade deadline tomorrow. We got NBA All-Star Weekend next week. So uh, it's an exciting time in sports, but let's let's recap the culmination of the NFL's hundredth season, Super Bowl Fifty Four. Oh man, and it was a good one too. Yeah, it was it was a good game, much better than last oh, year. I, as as Rams fans, me and you can both agree that it was way better than last year. Yeah, it was. It was. But we saw the crowning of a new champion that was not the Patriots. We waited till almost the end of the show last week to mention, to mention that? the Patriots. I had to mention that in the end. But though. we're starting off at the top. Mentioning, mentioning them. Oh, yeah. The I was, I was going to get to that eventually. Are not the champions. But the new champions are indeed the Kansas City Chiefs. They had their, they had their parade earlier today in Kansas City. And I don't know if you saw the video of the high-speed chase that ended in the middle of the parade route. Did you not see that? I did not see that. Based off what? your facial reaction that I'm <laughs> no, seeing? No, 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 no. What I did see was a fan threw a beer to Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. immediately chugged it. That's the video that I saw. Damn, I can't believe you didn't see that. But the, I, I didn't see the high speed chase all right, at I'll all. Sh- I will show it to you after we are done recording. But, no, I mean, championship parades always are great for viral moments. I mean... Did you see Travis Kelsey's speech? 
Yes, that okay. I did. Yeah, which that. I even saw he was drinking beer off of the uh, Lombardi Trophy. Oh yeah, the did you see that? Luge. The Lombardi <laughs> yeah. Luge. I loved it. I, I loved. I haven't it. seen that before. <laughs> yeah. No. Listen. I mean, I saw it on Pat McAfee's radio show. He was saying, "I'm surprised no one has done that before." Yeah, that was really innovative for him to just you know pop open a beer and then just pour it down. Yeah, and he he obviously got the inspiration from hockey players drinking out of the Stanley Cup, but. Yeah, it's well, kind of hard to drink. You got to get the, it from somewhere. Yeah, kind of hard to drink out of the Lombardi Trophy, but using it as a luge, I never even thought of that. Yeah, that was really smart because it has little indents in it, and it's almost like a slide. So he yeah, just poured perfect. it straight down, and it went <laughs> went down it's smooth perfect. apparently. And then I saw Patrick Mahomes from the top of the double decker bus pouring a beer down to Travis Kelsey, and Travis basically catching it in his mouth. You, you know what I thought of when I saw him drinking beer out of the trophy, and then his speech. Instantly, I just thought of uh, Gronkowski uh, last year during their parade. There's a lot of... Wasn't he, like, shirtless and he was, like, grinding up on some chick on the bus? or so? He, Listen, he looked like a typical frat boy. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of comparisons to be had between Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski, but... Hey, if you're going to play the position and you win at the Super Bowl, celebrate like Gronkowski does. Yeah, listen, I think... I mean, Travis Kelsey's a hell of a character. Oh, he is. So, I mean, he... He definitely had the time of his life at that championship parade. But let's talk more about what happened on the field. The final score, obviously, was Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20. It is the second Super Bowl victory in franchise history for the Chiefs. It was a 10-point comeback for them. That's tied for the second largest comeback in Super Bowl history. And, I mean, this postseason, the Chiefs were just incredible. They were down... 24 to nothing versus the Texans, 17 to 7 versus the Titans, and then 20 to 10 versus the 49ers and they ended up winning all three games and obviously the most meaningful game, the Super Bowl, the last game of the season, well, yeah. the one for all the marbles. It it was incredible to watch. Patrick Mahomes was 5 and 0 this season when trailing by double digits, including 3 and 0 in the postseason. He became the first quarterback in NFL history to lead three double-digit comebacks in a single postseason. And in Super Bowl 54, the Chiefs scored 21 straight points in the final six minutes and 13 seconds of the game. So what, I want to hear your thoughts on the comeback that they had. Well, first I, w- I want to start. This, this was their M.O. throughout the playoffs. So I think for all the Chiefs fans out there, they never felt like they were out of this game. Neither did Patrick Mahomes, nor did the Chiefs feel like they were out of this game. And you saw in the Texans game um, that they came back from big, big numbers. And following up that game, they they go into it playing the underdog in the Titans, and the same thing. Now, this one was a little bit different because they were facing a secondary and a defense that was way more elite than the Titans and the Texans. But you just never felt like they were out of the game. And my initial reaction in the first three quarters was San Francisco played the game that they wanted. Unfortunately, they broke down in the last quarter. And to be specific, the last three to five minutes, they broke down. Yeah, and I mean, listen, my whole thing with the Niners is they played really well, but they just didn't play a complete game. Yeah, you have to play the full game. And 
when I saw their defense celebrate by all running down to the end zone after that turnover by the Chiefs, I thought it's to not, myself, "It's not over." Yeah, I thought to myself, "They're celebrating way too early. They think this game is wrapped up." But especially y- with with an offense like Kansas City, right. you, You've seen what they can do in spurts. All they need is what two plays, and they are already on your ten yard line. Exactly. You have such an explosive offense on the other end of the football field, and you have a generational quarterback, and arguably the the best quarterback in the game right now, and Patrick Mahomes, who ends up winning Super Bowl MVP, he he was magical in the last six minutes of the game. I mean, overall for the game, his stats were pretty good. They were a little up and down, I would yeah. say. I mean, uh, both both quarterbacks threw two picks, but he he eventually won the uh, the, the the passing yards game between him and Garoppolo. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, Patrick Mahomes was 26 of 42, 286 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He also had a rushing touchdown. He ends up getting named Super Bowl MVP, but I think you could have also made an argument for Damian Williams I think, for Super Bowl MVP. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely had an argument uh, an argument for that, only because uh, the first half, he was getting stuffed a lot at the line, but he adjusted coming into the second quarter and then then on. Yeah, so Damian Williams had 17 carries, 104 yards, one rushing touchdown, and also that receiving touchdown. But I think ultimately you had to give it to Mahomes. Like super, you had to give Super Bowl MVP to Mahomes as that young stud quarterback. Yeah, because he because he, he got you there essentially. You know, without him, he's you know he's leading the uh, the the charge of that team. Yeah, and I mean, listen, he also made history by becoming the first quarterback under the age of 25 to win Super Bowl MVP. He's the first player to do that since Emmitt Smith did it for the Cowboys. And he also joins Big Ben and Tom Brady as the only quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl at 24 or younger. So, yeah. And and again, this is going back to San Francisco side. This is not taking anything away from them. They just did not play a complete 60 minute game. Yeah. And listen, Jimmy, like you said, Jimmy G didn't have that bad of a game. But he actually, from my point of view, he had a good game. He had a solid game. He did what he had to do. He did throw his two picks, but so did Mahomes. But he 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 threw at the appropriate times that he needed to. Sometimes he had to get you know some of those throws a little bit further than he normally would, and that's what gave him a lot of advantage. Uh, but he he did what he had to do. He didn't he didn't you know underperform. I think he performed solid for the most part. Yeah, listen, I think. Because he is the quarterback, he deserves some blame because he could have made some better decisions. Obviously, the big miss throw to Emmanuel Sanders downfield, that should have been a touchdown, no doubt. Like, he should have been more on target with that throw. But I got to put most of the blame on the 49ers coach, Kyle Shanahan. The, The Niners ran the ball 22 times and threw the ball 31 times and we knew the Niners were going to throw more in this game than they did in the NFC Championship game, but I feel like they sort of almost abandoned the run to a point. Which is dumb because yeah, and, that's your bread and butter. Yeah, they didn't They didn't really let their run game develop any momentum compared to what got them to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game. In where, the previous game, they tore up the uh, the Packers. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting to see what's happened to Kyle Shanahan in these big moments Teams that have had their offense be called by Kyle Shanahan have now been outscored by a combined 46 to nothing after the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter. He was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons in 2016 during that debacle, uh, 28-3. to 
and he's the head coach and offensive play caller for the Niners in the Super Bowl. See, you give him a, a lot of the blame, which I would give him some blame because he's the one you know calling the shots out there. And yes, they should not have abandoned the run game so soon in the game and gone to throwing it more. But I think the one person I'm going to single them out is Richard Sherman, which I don't think he had the best game. He was he was isolated. Yeah. He was isolated a lot, and to me, I think this was a big game for him just to prove that you go in and you beat the, the Seahawks. Oh no, the Seahawks lost to the Packers, but you you beat them throughout the season, and you're trying to prove that you're still worthy of an asset on a team. And so you get to the Super Bowl, and again, he was kind of left on an island a lot, but he was getting beaten by a lot of yeah. A he, lot, got a lot beat, of, he got beat bad by Sammy Watkins. That, that was on that the one play. one play in particular that came to mind was him getting beaten by Watkins. But I don't think I don't think that one play. No, no, no. But was he did end all be all. No, no, no. But he did but allow. It came, it came at such a crucial point. See, that's the thing. It's that you're you're an elite corner. You would think that you would come up in the big moments. So I gave him, in my book, I gave him a good chunk of the blame. Yeah, but I I mean, listen. Overall, this this game was much much better than than, last than previous game. years. And I got to hand it to Kansas City and their defense. Their defense. Last year was very, very unpredictable. Sometimes you got really bad defense, and then at times you got okay defense. This year was a little bit scrappier, but this year in the playoffs, though, it stepped up, especially Frank Clark. You've mentioned him a couple times. Yeah, Frank Clark was huge in this game. Which he ended up ripping Garoppolo at the end, which in my mind was a little unfair because Garoppolo did play okay. He didn't play, he didn't have a horrible game. But yeah, Frank Frank Clark ripped him a new one basically at the end of the game. (laughs) Yeah. No. Oh, the post game interview that Frank Clark. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. That was pretty pretty. But I I really feel like their defense though was was a key factor in this too because you know what Mahomes is going to give you and I think a lot of the a lot of the beginning of the game for him was a, a lot of nerves too. He was rushing a couple of the passes. Um, there was a couple of times I said last week in the preview show, I was going to be interested to see how Kansas city was going to come out and they came out exactly how they came out in all the other games. Yeah. Slow, a v- a very, very rocky. But, uh, again, I think it was a little bit of a nerves thing. Um, but he kind of settled in. There was a couple of times where I think I was watching, I was watching the game and you saw him scrambling in the pocket. And at times you thought he thought that he was going to get hit, but he had more time than he actually, you know, Thought he did. Yeah. So and I think he rushed some of the stuff like that. I think, I think, like I was talking about last week in the preview, I think the experience that Jimmy had being on the sidelines in those Super Bowls did help him just to have those, the confidence to throw some of those throws, especially that throw to Emmanuel Sanders. I know he missed it, but not many quarterbacks, I think, especially younger quarterbacks, in their first Super Bowl start would have the confidence to make that type of throw in the moment, but that's what you need to do. And he didn't, he did it, but ultimately it wasn't enough. No, it it wasn't enough. And I think the big thing too, is that this is why Mahomes is, is so good. And this is why I think he is the new generation of, of, you know, the next great quarterbacks. And he might be the new face of the NFL, but his last minute decisions are, what saved him in this game and throughout the playoffs. There's one play I remember in this game where I think he, he took it off of uh, off of the, uh, the snap and he starts running it. They needed it to pick up a first down. And at the last second, I think he it was to throw it. He, no, no, no. He, no, he pitched it. I think it was to Damian Williams, but I think Bosa came in and was going to hit him. But the, at the last second, just pitches it to Damian Williams. Those last second decisions is what saves him 
Oh, I thought you were talking about when uh, Jimmy Garoppolo th- like threw that basket throw. Oh, the one with two hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got confused for a second. Wait, wait. It's funny because you you <laughs> you bring you bring that up. But I remember when I saw that, I said, "What in the hell is he doing? That doesn't win you a Super Bowl." No, definitely not. What the hell? Definitely not. <laughs> I I completely forgot about that one. But no, that's not the play I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, no. Listen, uh, Patrick Mahomes. He showed why he's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, and what he was able to do to bring his team back. I mean, the defense played outstanding for them, especially down the stretch to to make sure they didn't let up any points when they were on their comeback. But they don't win that game without Patrick Mahomes. No. Two of those throws, you, you credit to him. Again, he had a really sh- slow, shaky start in the beginning, but he really came through for them when they needed him most, and that was in the last five minutes of the game. Yeah. They scored 21 straight points in the last six minutes of the game. It's, But see, you, you tell this to people and you're like, well, they had a lucky game. No, they've done this throughout the year and throughout the playoffs. This is not something that just happened in this one game. You know, it's it. you, you saw it you know, un, unravel between, uh, before your eyes in the last quarter. And if you're a 49er fan, you're like, well, what the hell's going on? We played uh, for three quarters. We played great. And then all of a sudden we get to the fourth quarter and then we shit the bed. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, there's no other way to put it. They they dropped the ball. Which, if you look at some of the, uh, again, box scores can be a little bit misleading, but if you look at the box score, there's a lot of the stuff where the 49ers, it went in their favor. And you might look at it and say, hey, they win this game by some of those numbers. But that's just not how it panned out. Yeah. So, all right, before we move on to the NFL honors, I wanted to see if you would know this. Fox Sports PR tweeted out, uh, some statistics on the viewers. Oh. So I want to know if you can guess where this Super Bowl ranked in terms of viewers. Like on a like like a like a top ten, top twenty list. Oh, easily top ten. Okay. No, well, no, I'm saying like in terms of ratings numbers. Ooh, ratings numbers are yeah, right. that's okay. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like all right. What number like most viewed Super Bowl. What number most viewed Super Bowl was this? Do you think you know? So I don't of, know if I'm asking this question right. I'm not sure, but I, I understand. I understand it though. So out of let's say like ten, like what would it be? Yeah, it's got. It's definitely in the slot, but I think it's maybe nine. No, it was actually the tenth most viewed oh, Super Bowl I was, in uh, history. Was one off. Okay. All right. How many total viewers do you think there were in the United States? Half of these damn viewers were only because they wanted to see J-Lo and Shakira at the oh, halftime show. We so. haven't even... <laughs> I mean, poof. What a show. I saw I saw something where it was it was a meme, and it said, why could a nip slip happen in this Super Bowl? <laughs> Out of uh, all Super Bowls... There was plenty of ass to be had. Yeah, well, yeah no, there was. That but I'm made saying, up for it, I think. But yeah, half of these viewers were mainly because of them. Um and hold on, real quick before you before you give your guess about the super, the halftime show, how the hell was Mister Three Hundred Five himself not in the damn halftime show in Miami? I was about to say J Lo came out with a song, and I think it was from it was like a little clip from one of their um, their features together or uh-huh. their, their their collaborations. And I said, why the hell is he not here? Miami is his city. <laughs> apparently, apparently, he did the pre-show, 
which that's not enough. But yeah, come it's on. Mr. Three Hundred Five. You got to put you got to put Pitbull in, in the halftime show. If you put all the other artists in there, come that's, on. That's what I'm saying. But others felt differently. That's but fine. Right, they have right, their. Gripes. How many total viewers do you think there were for the Super Bowl in the United States? Mm, is it in the billions or millions? It's in the millions. Okay, in the millions. Eight hundred million. No, All there's right. not even 800 million in the know. United States. <laughs> I just guessed. Hey, other people can watch the Super Bowl. No, the United States, bro. Oh, just the United yeah. States. Mm. I'll give you another. I'll give you another. Yeah, guess. yeah, give me another hint. This is a blind it's, guess. It, I, you were right about it. It is in the hundreds of millions. But how many do you think? Okay, 200 million. No, it was 102 million. No, oh, damn. Way off. At least I got nine. That was close as far as what it was ranked. So, I mean, it, it was about one-third of the population in the country. The total population of the U.S. is 327.2 million people. Do you have who are the not? Because uh, this was number 10 as far as the most viewed Super Bowl. Do you have nine and down? No, I don't. I want to know what this what this ranked as. Like, what, what other games did it be? Definitely last year. <laughs> For sure last year. Last year, I think, had one of the... the the lowest ratings. But I want to know what other games come before it. Uh, that's going to take a while. Well, no, I'm not asking you to find it. I'm just saying, I just wonder what, what comes, you know, well, before maybe, 10, maybe we'll have that number next week for you guys. All right. But all right, let's move on. The NFL honors took place Saturday night before the Super Bowl, And we wanted to quickly go over, some of the big award winners. So we'll start off, obviously, with MVP. None other than Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. First unanimous MVP since Tom Brady in 2010, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Which even Mahomes gave him a shout-out when they asked him, do you think you are the new face of the NFL? And he said, well, we have a good quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he just won MVP, so it's... I, yeah, I mean... The NFL is in good hands, I'll say that. I mean, if you think about it, we have a great, great generation of quarterbacks that are on their way out. You think about it, Brady, Breeze, Phillip Rivers, uh, Aaron Rodgers, they're all towards the back nine of their career. But you have guys like Lamar Jackson winning MVP in his second season when so many guys doubted him. So many people wanted him to change positions. Yeah, they thought he should have been a running back. Or a receiver even. Mm -hmm. And then you have a guy in Patrick Mahomes winning a Super Bowl in his third season. And he wins Super Bowl MVP. First first player in NFL history since Emmitt Smith to win a Super Bowl MVP since he was uh, under 25 or whatever I said earlier. That... The NFL's in good hands. And it's crazy because Mahomes, you mentioned him, this is only his second season technically playing because he sat out, remember, his first season. Last year was yeah. his first season. And, I mean, shout-out Patrick Mahomes for even giving Alex Smith a shout-out for the mentorship that he gave Patrick Mahomes during that one year they were together. And he said that even though Alex wasn't a part of the Kansas City Chiefs this season, he was a part of that championship win and that that like the team knows that like like holds him in high regard basically but back to Lamar Jackson it was 
it was basically a foregone conclusion all season that he was probably going to win this award. Yeah, it was inevitable just because of the season he had. Yeah, and listen, I mean, Russell Wilson had a very strong argument to be had to win MVP. Which he did. He See, I will say this. All props to, uh, to uh, Lamar Jackson, but Russell Wilson, he was doing a lot with very little. Yeah, and the pa- the excuse, the Seahawks went a lot further than most people had them going at the start of the season. A lot of people didn't think that this team could do what other teams that the Seahawks have had in the past could do, and they did it almost just as well. Which they had a rookie receiver in uh, um, Metcalf. Yeah, DK Metcalf was huge for them. Their defense, who a lot of people thought was going to take a step back after losing so many players, especially like Earl Thomas, but they were able to step it up. They got Jadavion Clowney from the Texans, so that was a huge pickup. So it's then, gonna then be... they lost all their uh, their running backs too. Yeah, they brought back Marshawn Lynch. So, so yeah, I, I would I would give Russell Wilson a couple nods, but but yes, going back to, to Jackson though, he he deserved it for sure. Yeah. All right, moving on. Offensive Player of the Year. Michael Thomas, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. It's funny. Tyler and I always joke we don't we don't get the whole MVP, offensive player of the year. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's a little distinction, weird. But whatever. This is how they do it. Michael Thomas had a hell of a year, a record-breaking year. Most receptions in a single season by any receiver, breaking Marvin Harrison's record. Very, very well-deserved. The Saints were in it the entire year. Even when Drew Brees went out, Michael Thomas was one of the reasons that that team stayed afloat, along with Teddy Bridgewater and the job that he did filling in as the backup. Yeah, you still had a stud receiver in in, uh, Thomas. Yeah, no, listen, it made Teddy's job a lot easier having Michael Thomas there. Oh, big big time. You lose both Thomas and Brees, you're in a, a whole different situation. For sure. So... Listen, well-deserved for Michael Thomas. He's an L.A. guy, so Keyshawn Johnson's nephew, which I is pretty dope to have that lineage in your family. Yeah. So, all right, next one we got Defensive Player of the Year. Surprising, I think, for a lot of people, but I had him as one of my dark horse candidates halfway through the year. And, and he won. Yeah, he ended up winning. Stephon Gilmore, cornerback for the New England Patriots. Ooh. So, I mean, but he but he is a he's a great corner though. Oh, yeah. Which it's even going back to Mahomes too a little bit was I saw him say something like they play a game last year and he said that he didn't think that Mahomes was going to get it to where he needed to get it for the receiver and you know, he was still able to make the throw, but Gilmore is he's a great great corner. Yeah, he led the league in interceptions this year with 6. He had uh which, he which had two touchdowns as well. The Patriots were the best defense in the league. Yeah, the Patriots had the best defense in the league. So, I mean, it's only right that you give it to one of their captains. Exactly. And a lot of the times, those corners or um, the linebackers, those are your heart and soul of your defense. Yeah. All right, now the rookies of the year. Offensive rookie of the year, Kyler Murray. Pretty. Yeah, that one's pretty, yeah. Plain I, and simple. Exactly. It's It's always easy to give it to a rookie quarterback, especially when they're named starter basically day one and the way it all went down with Arizona having to send Josh Rosen to Miami in a trade to make room for Kyler Murray and to solidify him as the starter day one. 
So it's and it he a, and he's fit into to that position way better than Rosen did. Yeah, and him and Cliff Kingsbury, first year quarterback, first year head coach, they've meshed really well together, and they have a very very bright future. Yeah, their their record won't really show it, but they played great games this they year. Perform, though they performed a lot better than a, than some of the teams that they, should have been in the playoffs. Well, yeah, and they're they won a lot more games than people had them winning at at the beginning of the year. So it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that Kyler was probably going to win this. It it helped that Washington basically fucked up Dwayne Haskins' rookie season. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, Kyler Murray had a hell of a year as a rookie starter in this league. And he's going to learn quick because he does play in a very tough division, too. He's got to see Goff, he's got to see Wilson, and now he's got to see Garoppolo throughout the year. So I think he's only going to get better going uh, going forward. Yeah, so, all right, defensive rookie of the year, Nick Bosa, defensive end of the San Francisco 49ers. That one's one's well-deserved, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, he – listen, I mean, first pick of the draft, won offensive rookie of the year, second pick of the draft, won defensive player of the year. It's – which I feel like that's pretty much how it goes usually with the the NFL. Which, if the Niners would have won this game, you could have made an argument for him to be MVP for the Niners. definitely, definitely. The, the the amount of pressure that he put on on Mahomes throughout the game was was crazy. He had a couple times where he hurried his passes. Uh, I think he had a sack or two, didn't he? I believe he had one. Sack. He had one sack. Yeah, so he he played great in the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, his team did not win, but he also played great throughout the season. That's why his team had the second best defense in the league. Yeah, no, he was the anchor of that defense all year. Oh yeah, that front line. Would would still be good, but it wouldn't be as elite as it was without him. Yeah, definitely. All right, comeback player of the year, Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. I give him that one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, listen, great story, underdog team, underdog team. The way they were able to get into the playoffs in a division that was left wide open with the news of Andrew Luck retiring, they had to battle against Deshaun Watson and the Texans to see who was going to win the division. Ultimately, they both end up making the playoffs. Titans end up making it further in the playoffs. Which nobody, than the Texans. nobody would have pegged them to go that far. Yeah, and listen, I, I know these are regular season awards, but what Tannehill was able to do when the Titans ultimately decided to bench Marcus Mariota and have Tannehill take over full-time no reason you can't give it to to this guy, and he's he's great. Like as uh, in his years that he's in now, but I wouldn't say he's elite yet. But he's definitely off to a good start, especially with this last run that they had in the playoffs. They'll get back, and then hopefully they can you know add to this run that they had, and hopefully he can get better and build on it. Yeah, definitely. It. I mean, listen, I wouldn't be surprised. I believe he's supposed to be a free agent this off season, so I wouldn't be surprised if. He signs a deal with a different team. No, I'm I'm saying he might just come back to Tennessee oh. and Tennessee gives him a, a nice payday. I mean, Tannehill's had a very up and down career. So I think he's looking to find a a stable home somewhere and Yeah, he was he was solid in the playoffs. Yeah, with what he did with Tennessee, I don't see any reason why they should not look at him as their 
full-time starter next year, especially because they are probably going to move on from Marcus Mariota, who's at the end of his rookie deal. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's, I think it's up for him already. Yeah. All right. Last one. Coach of the year. None other than John Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens. Best regular season team all year. They went on an incredible run. The whole team was pretty much doubted, especially Lamar Jackson. Well, they won 13 games in a row or something like that, didn't they? Heading into pretty the playoffs? Sure, pretty sure it was 13 in a row, yeah. So it's... They just had a full head of steam going in to the playoffs. Yeah, and ultimately they couldn't get it done, but like I said, these are regular season awards, and nobody was stopping the Baltimore Ravens this year. No, team, teams were scared to play them because you could not figure out Jackson, and a large part of that was Harbaugh. Yeah, and the schemes that he was coming up with. Yeah, so I mean, you gotta you gotta give him all the all the credit for what happened there in Baltimore. But all right, before we move on to the NBA trade deadline, real quickly, it was announced that Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars, will play two consecutive home games next season in London. I don't know if you saw this or not. I saw an article on that, yeah. Yeah, so they're going to be the first team to play consecutive home games outside the United States in the same season. The opponents are to be determined, but what do we think of this idea to have Jacksonville play two home games in London? I think it was bound to happen only because they did this with, I believe it was the Chargers, Right, they went overseas. I think it was the Raiders. Chargers played in Mexico. Chargers this played year. in Mexico, but they've been doing this where I think they've sent for just one game though. So this is the first time we see two, but they've they've kind of like you know teased the idea of playing a couple games over there. I believe this past season that just finished, there were four weeks where there was at least one game in oh, either oh, Mexico or overseas. London. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think they're, they kind of just teased the idea a little bit, and now they want to implement, let's do two and see how the league likes it. Yeah, and Jacksonville's always been that team that has been r- rumored about maybe potentially moving to London. So, I don't know. We'll see how this works out, I guess. I don't think the players are going to be too happy about yeah, this, Yeah, that, that would be a tough tough commute um, throughout the season to have to go to all. Because if, if you move to London, all of the teams are in the U.S., yeah, no, listen, I don't think... That would not be fun at all. <laughs> no, no, it would not be fun. I've always said that until you can get from L.A. to London in the same time you can get from L.A. to New York, so that's about four and a half, five hours, maybe six, depending on the wind, you should not have a team over in London full-time. No, you can play preseason games and you can, you know, flirt with the idea of having one game per season over there, you know, home game, away game, whatever you want to call it. But I wouldn't have a team be set there and then play all the other 32 teams. Yeah. That just sounds like a mess. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on now because there has been some action since we've Oh, yeah, there really has been. There really has been. And honestly, for people who don't know Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, this is his busiest time of the year. Yeah, this in the 1st of July. He he, he does not sleep. No. So the NBA trade deadline is less than 24 hours away. I wanted to start 
backtracking real quick because we did miss a trade a couple weeks ago because of everything that happened with Kobe. Um, Dallas ended up losing center Dwight Powell for the rest of the season after he tore his Achilles. So they had to make a move for a backup center. They ended up trading a 2020 second round pick via the Utah jazz to the golden state warriors for Willie Cauley Stein. So, I mean, to me, I think it's a perfect swap. Basically Dwight Powell, Willie Cauley Stein, I think pretty much equal players. Yeah, well, Dallas right now, they're they're just trying to build around Luka and Porzingis, and he kind of fits in with the youth. Now, I don't know if he's their move going forward as far as in the deep future, but right now he's just like a bandit on that center position. Yeah, it's definitely a temporary fix, and Golden State, obviously, their season didn't go the way they no. were expecting it to, so they're They haven't made selling, a lot of buzz. They are selling at the deadline. Which right now they have a lot to trade as far as they don't really have a lot to lose. They can trade all these young guys because like him and uh, Glenn Robinson and Jordan Poole, they can get rid of these guys. Yeah, they, they Alex have, they, Burks. Alex Burks is another one that has been um, has been floating around in the rumors. The biggest one, though, is D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. We thought that maybe he goes to Minnesota. But see, that hasn't happened yet, though. And a large part of that is because they can't agree on a price. Yeah, and obviously I think Golden State is asking for Andrew Wiggins in return somewhere in that package for D'Angelo because, one, I don't think you get that deal done in terms of money-wise without Andrew Wiggins and D'Angelo being a part of that deal. And, two, Golden State is looking for an all-star type level talent in return for D'Angelo Russell, who was an all-star last season. And his scoring numbers have gone up this year. He's not an all-star this year, but they have well, gone up. They've gone up because he's yeah, he has the only to, guy there. He has to you know, shelter the load of all of the, uh, of, uh, of the rest of the team. But if you're the Warriors, do you, tr- do you trade him this year, or do you at least try to trade him? I think you have to because there's wait been, it out. Yeah, because there's been that, that, that idea of what, what if, you know? Like, what could he look like with Steph and Clay? Yeah, I think you have to wait it out and see how it works out next season. And by next year's trade de- deadline, if it if you don't think it's working out or, or, yeah, basically if it's not working out, then you decide to move on from D'Angelo Russell because they're, the Warriors are obviously going to side with Steph and Clay on this. But, no, I don't think right now is the right time to move D'Angelo Russell because... At the end of the day, they have a brand new arena. They got to sell tickets the rest of the season. But if you can get Wiggins in return somehow, if you can get Wiggins in return, then I yeah, would say do the I deal. would say pull the plug. But also, I mean, D'Angelo Russell has made it no secret that he would also like to play with Devin Booker, if not also Carl Anthony Towns. So, but see, Phoenix is one of those teams right now where what 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 do they really have to offer? Apparently they're shopping Kelly Oubre. I mean, I would take him if I was if I was the Warriors, but I'd rather have. Between, yeah, I don't know how between enticing Oubre, Kelly Oubre is compared to Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, he he has good he has good spurts, but between Wiggins and Oubre, I'd rather take Wiggins. Yeah, I think, but I think not it's, by much. I think by see w- Wiggins. A lot of people say you know he hasn't progressed and he hasn't had the flashiest of years since he's come into the league. But look at the, look at the market he's playing in. Not a very big market. 
he's been putting up solid numbers. They haven't been great numbers. It's just that his team doesn't get a lot of exposure. And that team right now is sorry. They have not been able to win. They haven't, I don't think they've won a game since Thanksgiving. Yes, I think they've lost 12 to 13 games in a row. Like, that's pathetic. It's so bad. So that's why his name doesn't get a lot of, uh, a lot of um, you know, attention. But yeah. I would rather take Wiggins. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, and, well, I mean... There's no possible way for Golden State to somehow trade for Carl Anthony Towns. Is no, there? no. They'd have to give up a lot. They'd probably have to give up like Draymond Green and multiple picks, which I think they don't really have the intention of giving away that pick. Yeah, no, I, I think they want to keep that pick to see what it could turn into. Yeah, and then as you get closer to the uh, to the draft, then you start shopping it. Yeah, or maybe they keep it. They have built, I mean, those guys, Steph, Clay, Draymond, all three of those guys were products of the draft. Yeah. But anyways, Minnesota, while they haven't made a trade for D'Angelo Russell yet, they were a part of a big deal that that went down last night, a four-team deal. We got the Houston Rockets, Atlanta Hawks, Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Denver Nuggets. I'll quickly go through who gets who, and then we'll, I guess we'll kind of just basically talk winners and losers of this trade. But I already he, have my winner. <laughs> Houston gets forward Robert Covington. They also get center Jordan Bell and a 2024 second-round pick that was from the Golden State Warriors. I don't know where that pick originates from. Yeah, a lot of these picks, you don't even know where the hell they come from. Yeah, they just somehow get thrown in there. Basically, they have a 2024 second-round pick exactly. along with Jordan Bell and Robert Covington. Which they don't mean anything until that year, and then you're like, oh, crap, we traded that pick two years ago. Right. The Atlanta Hawks got center Clint Capella and center Nene. The Minnesota Timberwolves got Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and a 2020 first-rounder. Which is lottery protected. That's from Brooklyn, right? Uh, yes. But I believe it was Atlanta's. At the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, for this trade. And Denver gets Gerald Green, uh, Keita Bates-Diop, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, and a 2020 first-round pick from the Houston Rockets. Already jumping out glaringly. The loser of this trade is the Houston Rockets. Oh, big time. What the hell are they doing trading Clint Capella? I know they don't want to pay everybody, but your center is now P.J. Tucker. They've already said they're going to stick with P.J. Tucker, and Jordan Bell's basically going to come off the bench. And he doesn't offer you a lot of rim protection at all. Yeah, he's an undersized big guy too. Which I didn't even want to start with Tucker, but now that you mentioned him, like let's let's open this book. But... Yeah, he's he's going to be the spacer on the floor, but he absolutely does not give you he is, any protection. He is such a liability on defense now. Like, I mean, listen, there's no secret we're Laker fans. Who the hell is going to guard Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard on the on the Houston Rockets right now? Yeah, that see, that's the issue is that some of these teams have bigs like you have Giannis, you have Joel, you have Anthony Davis. You have like, Jokic. You you can't guard these fives one on one. Right. I Absolutely like, not. I like the Robert Covington part of this deal. He's a good three and D guy. He's a 
He's a wing defender. He's long, lanky. He can shoot the three at a decent to good percentage. But giving up your young center who you've almost built around along with James Harden. That's, see, that's the, the, other, that's the other issue. You have so much chemistry between the two. Right. And listen, don't get me wrong. Clint Capella is a great pickup for Atlanta. I think they're the winners of this trade. Atlanta's definitely the winners of this trade. Minnesota and Denver were just thrown into this to make all the money and stuff work. Right now, they're just bystanders. Right. Clear-cut losers. This was really between Houston and and Atlanta. They needed other pieces to facilitate the trade to get done to make all the money work and everything. But giving up Clint Capella and Nene, I don't know what the Houston Rockets were thinking and giving up all of their rim protection. Yeah, now they have no one at the five to guard any of these bigs. And I will say this about Covington. I like the move of acquiring him, but will they utilize, will they utilize him correctly? Because Covington is a three. He's a wing player. And you did say, yes, he is a three ending guy. That is what he did in Philadelphia. And that is what he was trying to do with the crappy Minnesota team <laughs> that has not won since November. But will he do that in Houston? Dan Tony's known for, for kind of, you know, creating these these you know hybrid lineups, and that's what the NBA is today. Now, you know, you have fives that are stretch fours essentially. But do you play Covington at the five? And that's what I think they're going to be doing. I don't think you can play Covington at the five, though. I, I'm sorry. I feel like D'Antoni's going to screw this up, and they're going to pick up. Well, they already picked up. They already picked up Covington, but he's going to screw this up and starting in, to insert all these crazy lineups and. Covington's going to be essentially a non-factor for the Rockets. And we already know the style of play that James Harden plays does not win you games or win you series in the in the playoffs. No. I think Covington fits in if you have a big, but if you're not utilizing him correctly, he's going to have no use for you yeah. on your roster. And unfortunately, the only way to have gotten this deal done was to give up Clint Capella because that's who ultimately Atlanta was after. Yeah, he was the biggest name in this trade. 100%. But, yeah, I mean, I just, it it boggled my mind when I read it this morning when I woke up because I've been going to sleep early because i got to wake up early for work and stuff. So I missed this trade when it went down in real time. So I woke up and saw it, and I was like, wow. Like I saw, like last night, I saw that they were working on a deal, but then when I saw the results of it this morning, I was like, wow, one, it's a four-team deal. Don't normally see that. That usually includes a really big name, and yeah. Clint Compel is not that big. He just was the biggest name in, amongst the, all the players. I'd say he's a top 10 center in the NBA right now. Yeah, I, I would put him on there, but see, to me, it's going back on it. He was very valuable to the Rockets. He he was the very valuable. He was the anchor of the defense. He was the pick and roll machine. That was his bread and butter. He was your trash man at times too. Oh yeah, he did all the dirty work in rebounding. He, I mean, listen, like I just said, I think, I think Atl- he's a top ten center in the league. Atlanta got a steal. Not only did they acquire him, they acquired a veteran in Nene who's already aging. But at the at the expense where they only had to give up, I think it was one pick. Yeah, I believe it was only now one that's, pick. Now that's crazy because usually when you trade, you and I being Laker fans should know when the Lakers got Steve Nash years ago, how many damn picks did they give up for that? Well, so at the, and how many picks did they give up to get Anthony Davis? Exactly, yeah. There was, that was a seven-person seven trade for one-person for one person return. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that 
Atlanta got a steal because they only had to give away one pick, essentially. And they were able to keep John Collins. Yeah, so now you pair up, now you keep him at the four, and now you pair him with a traditional five. Exactly. And that's what, it, and I think that's ultimately what they wanted to do. I don't think they wanted to give up on John Collins and move on from him. No. I know there were rumors earlier on that he, in he the was season that, that he was getting shopped and he had to deal with the suspension and everything. So I think it's a great, great move for Atlanta. Definitely the winner of this trade. Poor Evan Turner for getting traded again. Yeah, Evan Turner for the second hasn't. time this season. <laughs> he hasn't had a solid uh, environment in a while. Yeah, I saw something on Twitter about Malik Beasley when he was informed he broke down in the Denver locker room. But see, him, he's not a big name, but he was a good part of their rotation, I will say yeah, that. Yeah, he's, he's been part of that Denver core that they were trying to really build around with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Nikola Jokic, uh, Will Barton. But, yeah, it just ultimately didn't work out. So we'll see what happens in Minnesota with with that bunch. And then Noah Vonley, Shabazz Napier, and Gerald Green and Bates Diop going to Denver. Yeah, those are all just small household names. Not even household names. I don't even think they mean anything to, to these teams. I mean, Gerald Green, yeah. Shabazz Napier, obviously. So some, the, of these, some of these guys are going to are gonna have uh, playing time in, in their new teams, but... A lot of these guys, they're just they're just going to go ride the bench. Yeah. Now, another move that Atlanta made that happened earlier tonight was they traded center Alex Lynn and forward Jabari Parker. God, Alex Lynn sucks. <laughs> well, they had to make room for he's Capella gotta, you know, and Nene. <laughs> yeah, you know he's got to get thrown in there somehow. Yeah, so they Atlanta traded Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker to Sacramento for... Another center, Dwayne Dedman, which I don't understand why they're trading. Well, maybe you out Nene. Maybe you get rid of him. You yeah, Nene maybe gets bought out, goes to a, a playoff team. Who knows? Um, but Sacramento is also sending two second-round picks in this year's draft and next year's draft. Which they got Jabari Parker in return. Yeah. Right? Jabari, okay. Jabari's going to Sacramento, so he's on another team once again. See, he's he's one guy I feel bad for because he came into the league and then, you know, his multiple knee injuries and he never had... Yeah, a, he had all this promise. Yeah, he never really had like a set place to, to at least grow a little bit. And you thought that was going to be Milwaukee, but then he didn't even get that chance. And then he goes on to Chicago. I, I think I asked you before the show, I said, is he still in Chicago? You're like, no, he's on the Hawks. I said, I thought he was still in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, no, he signed with the Hawks this offseason, I believe. Well, I, honestly, I really think that he could make a small imprint and he could progress a little bit with the Kings because the Kings at one point had a little bit of promise with with Heald and Fox and then uh, Bogdanovich. Well, and the Kings are a, are a going nowhere franchise right now too. They're at the bottom of the Western Conference as they well. Are. Luke Walton is yelling at Buddy Heald on the sideline. Nobody really knows what's happening in Sacramento. But see, they had success last year, which is really confusing. They were a lot of people were high on them coming into this season, and they have completely shit the bed. Yeah, they have really tanked. Which I don't know what was Walton wasn't their coach last year, was he? No, he was the Lakers coach last year. So then he's he's the issue then. Well, that's I mean, hey, people are saying, hey, look, the common denominator speaks for itself. People are saying if 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 last year this team was doing well and progressing, and all these players were were uh, were getting better, and this year they're really <laughs> the team's bad, and your coach is yelling at them, who do you think's the issue? Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, but the whole point of that, I hope Parker, he fits into this team well and at least can be there for a season or two and then see where he can go from there. Yeah. So, all right. 
another move, and I don't know if it's officially official yet and all the, the pieces are finalized, but earlier this week it was reported that Andre Iguodala was prepared to sit out the remainder of the season if he wasn't traded by Memphis at the deadline. When he was traded to Memphis this past summer by Golden State, he and Memphis agreed that he would not be reporting to the team and immediately demanded a trade or a buyout, and Memphis said they would trade him and not buy him out. He got that wish tonight. He's going to, of all places, Miami. Thank God he's out of the Western Conference. That's all I got to say. As long as he didn't get traded to the Clippers, the Blazers, I would have liked have him to go to the Lakers, but as long as he's out of the West. Yeah, he was linked for a while to the Lakers and Clippers, but ultimately Miami comes in at the last minute. Part of this part of this package is Justice Winslow. I don't know if there are more pieces or draft picks or other players a part of this trade, but I know Iggy and Justice Winslow are the main pieces of the trade. And listen, only in the NBA can a player sit out half the season while still getting paid, then get traded to the number two overall team in a conference. Wasn't he like writing a book too? He wrote a book. <laughs> well, that's ultimately why he got sent out of isn't that uh, something? Golden State. Yeah, isn't that something? But gets traded to a number two overall team in a conference, signs an extension with that team. For two years. For two years worth $30 million, and he gets to live in Miami. Only in the NBA does that happen. Yeah. You sometimes you roll the dice and you end up in Miami. This league. This league. No, no, no. Unbelievable. No, it's it's crazy. Yeah. I, I think I saw CJ McCollum post something like that. Like he said something like, you know, get your money. And it was all the things that he had been doing while he was in Memphis while sitting on the bench. Didn't play a single minute for them. He wasn't even sitting on the bench. He didn't even <laughs> okay. show up. Well, that was a figure of speech. But yeah, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Did you, did you see all the stuff that happened on social media with uh, yeah, John see, Morant and Dylan Brooks? Which, which I want to know, where the hell did all that hostility come from? Like, were they just pissed at him? Well, it was it was about the report getting released that he was prepared to sit out the remainder of the season. Oh, jeez. And basically, come Dylan, back, John Morant and Dylan Brooks, come back to me when you're a, what, 14, 15-year-old year old veteran, and you are in the same position. Tell look, me if you won't do the same thing. I mean, listen... I loved it. I love. The I know, I just think it's, no, no. It, it, it's it's fun to watch, but I just think it's really petty and it's just really stupid for John Rand to be jawing back at him. I, I thought it was great just to say like, oh, you know what? I want you to get traded. Yeah, you'll probably get locked up too. That whole comment of him, yeah, it, no, it was Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks was like, yeah, he should he should leave Memphis, and that way when we play him, he could see the the real Memphis team. You would probably get locked up too, Dylan Brooks. Well, unfortunately. Memphis and Miami don't play each other the yeah, rest of the that season. Sucks. Well, the only the only way year. they would play each other is if Memphis makes it into the to the playoffs and in, they into meet the, in the finals. They meet in the finals. There's no way that's happening. So they'll I see don't each other. It's happening this year. They'll see each other next year. Yeah, especially after Iguodala signed this extension. But I mean, listen, Iggy got his wish. Ultimately, he gets out of Memphis. We thought potentially he was going to go to the Lakers, maybe the Clippers. Miami comes in at the last minute, gets it done. They're also looking to trade for Danilo Gallinari from the Thunder to add to their wing and um, he would front be, court. He would be really intriguing to play in Miami. 
with, yeah. all, with all that with all that core that they have of Adebayo and uh, and wait not wait uh, who was it Butler Adebayo Butler Kendrick Nunn Tyler yeah, Hero that that young now that young Iguodala. core the young core plays well yeah I'm just not I'm not sure who Miami would have to give up I think they would probably have to give up Goran Dragic to make the money work but see he's been playing well too though so do you give up your 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 point guard essentially for more scoring in Gallinari who's already who's already aging already right. He's kind of at the end of his career. He's so on to the speak. other side of thirty, exactly. So he could still give you fifteen a game, roughly. For sure, for sure. And uh, he has those moments, but I don't know if I would give up Drogic for him. Yeah. So, do you think ultimately the Clippers or Lakers end up making a move? Yes, I think right now, uh, figure of speech. I think they're at an arms race. I do believe that the Clippers have more to work with than the Lakers do because they have. They have players to give up, such as Ivica Zubak and, and Mo Harkless. Oh. Where, why is there a trade that just happened? Well, five minutes ago, Woj tweeted, Miami, Memphis, and Oklahoma City are working on an elaborate three-team deal that would land the Heat, both Andre Iguodala and Danilo Gallinari. So that was five minutes ago, and it's 8.16 p.m. right now. Because this Iggy trade is not technically set in stone. No. Miami and Memphis have agreed to basically a trade, and now they just got to basically figure out all the kinks and details. But I think the only way to get it done is with OKC and Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, you have to often include a third team. Yeah. So, Which, if you're OKC, it's they're kind of in a weird position. We've already mentioned this before, but that team... At the beginning of the season, after getting rid of Westbrook, you didn't think that team was going to be in the playoffs, and now they're fighting for a seventh, eighth spot. And yeah, so it's interesting that they're yeah they're shopping that they're shopping Gallinari. But see, there's also been reports because you brought up the Lakers. There's also been reports of the Lakers interested in Dennis Schroeder, which he's part of that trifecta point guard lineup that um, Donovan likes to run. Yeah, I listen if. The Lakers could get Dennis Schroeder. I would be all for that. I think he would be a great addition as another primary ball handler, uh, facilitator. And he's just so fast. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that speed kills with him. But what I saw along with those reports was that Oklahoma City was asking for more than the Lakers were would be willing to give up. See, and that's what I said about the uh, the Clippers having more to offer. The Lakers don't really have much to offer. In yeah, return. And that's that's a great point. the The Clippers, I think, definitely have a lot more assets to give up on the trade market than the Lakers because the Lakers had to give up so much to get Anthony Davis. Really, the only trade asset the Lakers have is Kyle Kuzma, and like we've said before on the show, they're very they're very iffy on trading him right now. One, they're only iffy about trading him, and two, he doesn't make enough money, so. With a lot of these trades, it has to do with making the money work. And with him not making as much, it really hinders what you can do because you have to add other players to make the money work. Yeah, because his salary is not a lot. Cause initially, no, it's only like a million and a half or something yeah, like that. Which is which is weird because when there was rumors about the Kings and the Lakers talking about swapping some players. I think Bogdanovich was brought up, but he makes more than Kuzma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is which is odd to me. That to me that's baffling. But I I don't think the Lakers have have a lot of options right now. They just have to figure out you know something, and they honestly need 
that one extra player because when LeBron sits, and I've said this all season long, when LeBron sits, the offense is completely stagnant. Absolutely stagnant. When Rondo's in the game, yeah. No, oh, no, no, I said when LeBron sits. But yes, when Rondo's in the oh. game at times, I have seen that as I, well. All I heard, sorry, I was, I'm scrolling on Twitter because I'm trying to see if Woj has any more information yeah, on Yeah, because the... it's coming out, you know, periodically. Right. But all I heard was the offense gets stagnant. And, and you I thought of thought Rondo. Rondo. Oh, yeah. Well, he, <laughs> hey, if, if the Lakers get Dennis Schroeder, those problems would be fixed. It's funny. I, I wish Rondo had some sort of trade value because he is just but he does not offer anything exactly the trade of value because he has just not played well at all this year but i think ultimately the lakers stand pat i don't think they make a make a move not even for d rose he's another player that that has been uh, circling yeah he's been another guy that's been rumored detroit said earlier today i saw a report that detroit said all of their players are available in trades so, I mean, Blake Griffin, who's hurt, Andre Drummond, who's going into an option year, Derrick Rose on the market. Um, so it's – the trade deadline is always fun because of how much movement, how quickly news gets broken. Yeah, because in the beginning of the season and throughout the season leading up to the trade deadline, the majority of it is just rumors. They they should go here they would fit here, and it's just you know, it's just a bunch of hearsay. But it's a lot of plug and play, yeah, trying to make, make things work. It's a, essentially, it's a, like a fantasy league throughout the year, and you're just like, oh, well, what if we get this person? What if you know they might boost our numbers on defense or on offense? But you really see what happens, obviously, closer to the deadline, and then everything just starts unraveling really fast. Yeah, and once once news broke last night of that big four-team trade that was in the works that was really what opened up the floodgates for everything that's happened today and uh tonight really but see i've also seen this i don't know if you've if you've seen this report about marcus morris from new york have you seen yeah the kyle kuzma from marcus morris yeah that that to me is a little intriguing it's it's intriguing because new york doesn't let's be honest here new york has nothing to lose but at the deadline, I mean, they're just trading a power forward for another power forward. They don't need any more power forwards. Well, no, I wouldn't say Kuzma's a power forward. He, he, no, he's not a traditional power forward. But I mean, he's six nine. He's he could play the position. Yeah, I just. But see, the NBA is all about fit, and right now, as as much as I don't want to see him leave the Lakers, because I think that they were so. They were so proud of him when they drafted him, and they were so stuck on him as far as he can progress, he can be that next guy. Unfortunately, he didn't fit well, and he hasn't fit well with LeBron and AD. That's just that's just the point. It's just he hasn't he hasn't meshed well with that lineup. Yeah, I. It's it's such a toss up for me because, I mean, we we've seen the results that have yielded from trading young assets like Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and Lonzo Ball for Anthony Davis. Same thing with D'Angelo Russell, too. Yeah, same thing for D'Angelo Russell, giving us the cap flexibility to ultimately get LeBron James. But I just don't think the Lakers are ready to give up on Kuz, and that's ultimately why I think they're going to stand pat. I know they're taking calls on trades and stuff, but everybody takes calls this time of year. So, and honestly, as I... I hate to go back to it, but I think ultimately 
the Kobe stuff had an effect on what the front office plans were for the trade deadline because they basically, I don't want to say took a week off. But but that's what it felt like. Yeah. And so I think they're, the work they could have got done in those days that they took off, obviously. Yeah, they left it all to this week. Right. And ultimately with the way, I mean, I think I've said it either last week or on previous shows. I haven't seen a Lakers team with this kind of chemistry, if ever. This team really gets along, and I don't think the fr- I think the front office sees that, and I don't think they would want to mess that up. So I I ultimately think the Lakers are going to stand pat at this trade deadline. That doesn't mean I don't think they could go out and sign somebody after the buyouts and. Potentially, Darren Collison is still out there. We don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, they still need that one person, though. Re- regardless if they just stand pat and they don't do anything and, you know, they uh, they keep the guys that they have, they definitely need to sign somebody else after all this. If they don't do anything at the deadline, they need to sign somebody after this. Because right now, like I said, they are in an arms race with the Clippers. The Clippers have more to offer, and the Clippers have a lot of pieces that connect better together. Whereas the Lakers do not. They have a lot of oddball players like Troy Daniels, Jared Dudley, Quinn Cook. A lot of these guys, Alex Caruso's another one. And he, he's he been named in a yeah, couple isn't, of rumors. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? What is his third year that he's played with the Lakers? Yeah, second or third. Yeah, because I remember him in the summer league with uh, Lonzo Ball. But it's crazy that he comes up as a, as a name that people are looking for. I mean, listen, he's been a contributing member to this team, and he's... He's put in the work. It's it's well deserved, and it's funny. Kuz had a had a quote when he was asked about the trade deadline, and he said that I don't want to mess it up because Kobe told it to him. But oh, the basically the basically it's like it's good if everybody's like talking about you. That means people want you. And Kuz was like, I'm basically the talk of the town right now. <laughs> Oh, because everybody wants him. Yeah. yeah. So it's he's he's I think he's taking this trade deadline a lot better than he did last year. So it's I mean, who knows what can happen between now and tomorrow when the trade deadline hits. I mean it's it's changing minute by minute. It ends at noon, doesn't it? It's noon or like two PM Eastern time or something like that. It's at an odd time where it ends, but I just know leading up to it, like the first couple hours of the day is crazy. You have like five or six trades going on. Yeah. So, all right, let's. I mean, do you have any other? No, I think that's trades that's you, pretty you much to talk about. Yeah, that's pretty much all the big names that I can think of as far as you know, D'Lo and uh, Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. You know, and Iggy. there's so much speculation during this time. We don't know uh, what's real. Almost yeah, yeah, sometimes. Right, yeah, because right now this Iggy trade can fall through completely. Well, I just I just saw something from Bobby Marks of ESPN saying that Miami has to unload like thirty nine million dollars worth of contracts to be able to take back Andre Iguodala and Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, because he has to sign his extension, right. and you got to sign Gallo. Right. So who knows what what could happen with that trade? But another big trade. That happened, and I know we don't talk a lot of baseball on the show, but with the Dodgers making this deal or agreeing to this deal, it's not yet officially official. 
it's still pending medical reviews and all of that. But with the Dodgers making this big of a deal, we had to talk about it. The Dodgers acquired Mookie Betts and David Price from the Boston Red Sox in a three-team deal. So the Dodgers get Mookie Betts, David Price, and Cash from Boston. The Red Sox will get Alex Verdugo from the Dodgers and Bruzdar Gratterall, a pitching prospect from the Minnesota Twins. And then the Minnesota Twins get pitcher Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers. So that's the breakdown of who's going where. But ultimately, for the Dodgers, this is huge. It is, especially the last two years. Unfortunately, they fall to the Astros and, ironically, the Red Sox, where they got bets. Um, and then last year they kind of, they got upset by the Nationals, but this is big. It, I will say this. I think from the people that I've talked to and from the reception I've seen on social media and, and articles, a lot of the fans are more heartbroken on the Dodgers' side because guys like uh, Verdugo and Jock Peterson and well, Kenta Maeda. Yeah, they, these were some fan favorites. Yeah, exactly. But But you're getting a guy in return. Right. Who who's way better than all three of them. Listen, Mookie Betts and David Price were both on that 2018 World Series team that beat the Dodgers. Betts was the 2018 AL MVP. He's a three-time Silver Slugger, four-time Gold Glove winner, four-time All-Star, won the batting title in 2018. Price is a former Cy Young winner. The only thing that concerns me, though, is Betts, his contract expires, right? And he's a free agent next year? Right. Betts is so they might have a um, a Manny Machado situation on their hands again. Correct. Betts is owed twenty seven million dollars this season. He's set to be a free agent after this season, and he's he's looking to get upwards of four hundred million dollars in his next contract. David Price is also owed ninety six million dollars over the next three years, and while the Red Sox did send significant like a significant amount of cash to the Dodgers to help offset some of those costs. Like you mentioned, Jock Peterson was also traded to the Angels in a separate trade. I think getting rid of Jock was basically a result of the Mookie Betts-David Price deal to help offset some of those costs because Jock was set to be owed like $10 million this year, and he's going to be a free agent after this year, and it was likely the Dodgers weren't going to re-sign him. No. So might as well get something in return for him. They got an infield prospect from the Angels and a couple other prospects in return. But I Which think baseball prospects are more valuable than they are in basketball. Much, and, and much more valuable. Yeah. And But like I said, ultimately I think getting rid of Jock was a money move. And also there's not really room for him in the outfield anymore. No, not with Betts now there. Yeah, because you got Bellinger. You got Bellinger playing center. You're going to put Mookie Betts in right, and those are two everyday players. And then you'll probably put platoon left field with AJ Pollock, Kike Hernandez, and Chris Taylor. Yeah. I think I, I, even before mm-hmm. this trade, though, I think they were already going to be um, uh, a, a top team heading into next year uh, or next season, I should say. But now I think this really puts them over the top. But now, but now I want to see where it gets them, though. Because right. you, you saw what happened with Machado, and it obviously didn't pan out. Right. Because they do make the World Series with him, then lose. And then he still doesn't resign. Right. And then we also f- forgot to mention in that 
Jock Peterson to the Angels trade. Ross Stripling is also probably. I know in that, that sucks. I saw that too. Yeah, so now yeah. you lose two pitchers. Yeah, that deal. Who was one? One was two a, pitchers. Yeah, because Kenta Maeda's gone oh, too. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, because you lose a starter in Stripling, and then you lose who was once a starter and who was now a uh, key contributor in the bullpen in Maeda. Right, but the whole thing with Maeda was he wanted to start. See, that's what sucks is that you wanted to keep him, but they didn't have room in the starting rotation for him. My early, 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 I mean, it's it's February. Pitchers and catchers haven't even reported to spring training yet. They're, they're reporting in, I believe, two weeks or so. My early prediction for the five-man rotation for the Dodgers is Walker Buehler, Kershaw, David Price, Julio Urias, and Dustin May. So, I mean, that's a five. That's a strong five, in my opinion. Especially if Urias and Dustin May can be on their on their shit, which you saw what Dustin May gave you last year. Right, he was he, great. He was great, but I mean, this Dodgers team. I gave a lot of crap to Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers front office for not doing anything during free agency, and this trade more than makes up for it, in my opinion. Yeah, they were quiet, and then they pulled a plug on a huge deal. The Dodgers were able to trade for bets and price. All while being able to keep all five of their top prospects who are in the MLB's top 100 prospects list. They kept Gavin Lux. They kept Dustin May. They kept Jeter Downs. They kept Josiah Gray. They kept Kiebert Ruiz. They were adamant on not giving up top-level prospects to the Red Sox. And ultimately, I think they they got Mookie Betts and David Price for a steal. Which, on the other hand of... Boston. I want to know why they gave up bets and price. Because for some reason, that, that, for some reason, this new regime in the front office does not want to pay people. That to me is super, super questioning. Like, why would you give up bets and price who were with you two years ago for a uh, for a World Series run? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to complain about it. I've seen. What, I'm not either, but <laughs> I've seen what this big still, of a trade can do. I still question for a team. It. Like, listen. We talked about it a couple minutes ago. Look at what's yielded from the Anthony Davis trade at where the Lakers are at. This is that type of level trade, in my opinion, for baseball. Mookie Betts is arguably the second best player behind Mike Trout in all of baseball. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm expecting big big things from the Dodgers this season with two MVPs in the outfield now. Cody Bellinger just won One, NL MVP. And then Mookie Betts won it in 2018 for the AL. Well, I'll be going to more Dodger games this year. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because they definitely need to figure out what to do about the the holes in their pitching staff. Their bullpen is definitely, definitely questionable. Right now, their their bullpen is their biggest issue right now. You have all the pieces in the outfield. It It has has. been for years. But I think ultimately this team is poised for a World Series run once again. I hope so. I just hope that they don't get upset by a scrappy team like the uh, Washington Nationals again. I really hope not. But, all right, you got a shout-out before we get out of here? I don't have a shout-out this week, unfortunately. All right, well, I'm going to shout-out Lakers Nation for what I saw last week, both on Monday afternoon and Saturday night at the Kobe Memorial down at Staples Center. I mean, thousands and thousands of of people of all ages, races, colors, genders, religions, all together in one space, 
grieving together, sharing stories, remembering the life of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, all of the victims of that horrible helicopter crash. And it was all peaceful. No. Yeah, I, I saw hear, I, I saw videos hear, of it. There was no talking. I didn't hear of any drama. Yep. Uh, any fights breaking out. I didn't hear of any of that. So I just want to commend Lakers Nation for understanding the moment and and not doing anything dumb, really. But I wanted to mention that cleanup crews had to clean up everything at the memorial site across the street from Staples Center at LA Live because LA Live has to host a multitude yeah. of events. As great as it was, you you can't leave the stuff there. Obviously, you know. Yeah, and it's it's understandable. Listen, they had it out there for an entire week. Yeah, which is which is crazy in itself. Yeah, but the people that run Staples Center and LA Live released the numbers of how many items were left there because Vanessa had requested to have all of the items that people left down at Staples Center because... How many basketballs was it? I think it was... So I I have the numbers. There were 1,353 basketballs. Most of them had, like, written personal messages on each basketball. There were 25,000 candles, 5,000 signs and letters, 500 stuffed animals, 350 pairs of Kobe's, and 14, like, big banners that had like personal written messages from fan like thousands and thousands of fans. Uh when I went on Monday with Ethan, they didn't have the posters up at the time. We went in like the early afternoon and they put them up I think like later that night or later that afternoon when we left. And I had to go back down there Saturday night after I got off work to see if I could find a small spot to to write a little note. And luck, luckily I was able to. I mean, listen, there were 14 of these banners that were probably, I don't know, they were probably like 10 by 15. Yeah. They were big banners. And all yeah, it of was them, the white, It was the white banner, right? Yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were all lined up at like step and repeats across, like all in the middle of the street right there in between LA Live and Staples Center and, Luckily, I was able to find a little spot. I mean, every single inch of those banners was basically covered. It was pretty crazy to see. So I just wanted to shout out Lakers Nation for that. I thought it was really, really cool to see all of the people uh, out there paying their respects. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and follow all of us at the Duke of sports at Tyler Pachalki and at Jacob double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK show. Peace.